Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. I have the great privilege and honor today of being with the single individual who has known me longer than any other person alive today on the planet, my younger sister, Pamela Federson, who's 15 months younger than I am. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you. It's a pleasure to actually have you in the studio now that we've already done a program with Andrew. Uh, you live in Vancouver, Washington, mm-hmm. and you're a grandmother. Mm-hmm. You have two grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, and, and two children, mm-hmm. both married. Let's talk about our life for a little bit. Growing up, we grew up in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. a small town in the Midwest in mm-hmm. the 1950s. Mm-hmm. What What is your salient memory of growing up in Fond du Lac? Safety. It was very safe. We never locked the doors. We never, I don't even, we didn't own a key. Yeah. It was very safe. It was very bucolic. What does bucolic mean? Beautiful. Beautiful rolling hills, farmland. Um, It was very, uh, you could encompass it very easily. Um, It was somewhat pedestrian. My mother being from New York, um, she wasn't really raised in New York, but she considered herself a New Yorker. She she lived largely in Bayonne, New Jersey, right across the Hudson River, uh, probably closer to Manhattan than people living in uh, Brooklyn. And she used to say, once a New Yorker, always a New Yorker. So she instilled in us... um, somewhat elitist view of Fond du Lac, like she was stuck there. In retrospect, um, years later when I went back to visit, I thought to myself, this is like heaven. This is like be- leave it to, cle- uh, leave it to leave beaver. beaver. It was like the most ideal place you could ever grow up. Well, there was something about Fond du Lac in the 1950s that was sort of right out of Norman Rockwell. Right out of Norman Rockwell. Mm -hmm. And I actually think we had some family dynamics that were difficult, but I think in many ways it was a a lovely childhood. Since you brought up our our mother, who died in 2011 Mm -hmm. at the age of 90, Mm-hmm. Uh, grew, who was raised in New Jersey, as we pointed mm-hmm. out, and had a passion for theater. Mm-hmm. I I know you miss her a lot. Mm-hmm. I do. You, in fact, I think of <laughs> I think of you as being very much in her mold. Yes. And and the funny thing is, I think you resisted that. Do you think? Well, sometimes you you would be, for example, she was so dramatic and mm-hmm. theatrical, and you, mm-hmm. I think you resisted her. Her, her dramatizing all sorts of situations. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. My mother would be, my mother was eccentric, uh, filled with love, serene, um, unusual, poetic, super smart, um, 
one of a kind. She was like no, no one else. She didn't resemble any kind of fifties housemaker. Um, she was also, um, opinionated, political. Um, she's my shining star and she couldn't have been more loving to me. You could do no wrong. Well, that's the thing I remember about her most is, is that she was just totally loving. I think the, the one thing I can say about growing up as, as we did in Fond du Lac, there was never a moment of doubt. Uh, that we were loved. Never. My mother, I can't remember her criticizing me. She was effusive in her support and her compliments. Extremely positive. Of, of almost a Pollyanna. Yeah. Very much. The, she was named Rose and she saw the world through rose-colored glasses. You could say that about her, but it was such an endearing. Very endearing. Very endearing. She, I miss her every day. Yeah. I feel her presence, almost like I can smell her, I can feel her, her voice, her physicality is very much with me. Our father was, as you might expect, fathers and mothers, he was in, in a lot of ways the opposite of her. His temperament was very different from hers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey sailed above everything. Jeffrey was very Buddha-like and sailed against any conflict. But my father was very tempestuous, had a hair-trigger temper, ex uh, exceedingly effusive and loving. But his temper was um, frightening. And, I mean, he didn't use any physical harm against us, but he was very explosive. And Jeffrey just sailed above it. But I was very confrontational, so I butt heads with him. You did. You butted heads with him quite a bit. At the same time, I remember you were like his favorite. You sat next to him as a young child. You would sit at his right side at the dinner table. Mother would sit at his left. I would sit next to mother. And he loved to have a glass of beer when he came home for for dinner in the evening. He was very hardworking. I would say mm -hmm. he was a workaholic. Mm -hmm. he, as a small entrepreneur running running a, a furniture mm -hmm. store that was open evenings and weekends, mm -hmm. he worked constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, but when he came home for dinner, uh, he'd have a glass of beer and he'd let you have a little sip of his glass. And I never became addicted to alcohol, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, um, he, he had a very um, effusive, ebullient, um, very personable, very funny. So he was, um, you know, he was bipolar. Yeah. He was, he, he was. Possibly. He was possibly be diagnosed as bipolar, so he had both sides. He was certainly never diagnosed. Then. No, he was never diagnosed, but in retrospect, he, he was, uh, well, my mother was very, Jeffrey very much has my mother's temperament. I do. I think I inherited her even temper and you inherited dad's. And, and our brother Andrew, who has been on New Thinking Aloud, had more of the uh, temperament from the Mishlove side of the family. And as I get older, I get more like Jeffrey. I have been quite, that bombastic quality has left me long ago. Well, you developed basically a career in fine art. Mm-hmm. 
You got a master's degree in stage design. Was it stage and costume? Mm -hmm. Stage design and costume design at UCLA, which mm -hmm. must have been one of the foremost theater schools mm -hmm. in the in the world. Mm -hmm. That was um, an extraordinary experience. I was exposed to some of the most talented, giving. I considered it an honor every day just to rub shoulders with the people there. Um, the professors were just exemplary people, and their skills were monumental. So I pinched myself because I was there. Mm -hmm. um, I always felt honored to be in the program. They, they, it was a very small group. There were eight of us, two in set design, two in costume, two in lighting, two... I can't remember this. Um, uh, it was an extraordinary, very intense, very difficult, probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. I know you, while you were in college at UCLA, you, you worked on productions mm -hmm. that were college productions. Mm -hmm. But then after you graduated, you, you moved out of the uh, theatrical world. You never really pursued a career in uh, in stage design no. or costume design after you graduated, no, but you did work in the fine arts. Mm -hmm. Had a show in New York at one time. Mm -hmm. I did all the windows of Neiman Marcus with my sculptures. I had a number of shows. I was in a number of books, and I taught art for twelve years. Mm -hmm. So, you're. Sort of passing interest in theater, I guess, was part of our upbringing. Mm -hmm. I, I, we didn't really mention it, but mom, mm -hmm. I think if she hadn't married my dad, our father, and moved to Wisconsin, mm -hmm. she would have stayed in New York and probably ended up uh, on Broadway doing theater. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when she got to Wisconsin, uh, practically as soon as she could, once the kids were like, old enough uh, that she could leave us. Uh, she she got involved in community theater and not just that professional summer stock theater mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So theater was a big part of our lives growing up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. She, she starred in any number of performances. And the whole family, except for you. <laughs> except for me. That's we're in right. a theater production. You, you were in Bye Bye Birdie, wasn't that? It? Yeah. Uh, she got Dan involved uh, in in theater, and mm -hmm. um, but not Andrew. No, not Andrew, not you. Not Andrew, and not me. Mm -hmm. But but so but theater was like uh, sort of in the DNA of the family. Ed, absolutely, the arts. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, when Dad wasn't uh, occasionally engaging in theater, he he was a workaholic. He mm -hmm. was constantly focused on business. Constantly. So that that was our background. Mm -hmm. But we we were in high school together. We were. We had some classes. You were together. my cohort. I have deep and loving memories of growing up with Jeffrey. It was an honor. He was very mischievous, very impish, uh, very curious, um, intense curiosity about the sciences, about life, and I admired him growing up. And we fought. We <laughs> Occasionally. Fought. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, sometimes as little kids, we we fought a lot, mm -hmm. as, as kids sometimes do. But no, you're the joy of my life. And vice versa. What else shall we talk about? Having children. Okay, yes. Yeah, now that's an experience. I have never had the experience of having a, a baby. Mm -hmm. I, I, when I married Janelle, Lewis was already nine and a half years old, mm -hmm. nearly 10. Uh, so that my experience of raising children started with, with a 10 year old who's still living in the household now. <laughs> He's 54. But you had two. I had two children. I had my first at 39, my second at 40. And I had had a very full life before. So I was, all I wanted to do was experience those children. I didn't have other things on my plate. Um, although I was working full time and we were very lucky to have full time help. Um, it's like a trip around the world every day. I thought it was the greatest adventure in life. I can't think of anything, um, more spectacular. I, you watched them from babies to growing up and getting married and. I, it was like being a kid again too. Mm -hmm. Cause you got to do all the same projects and play with the same toys. And my kids had very, much more affluent childhoods than I did. Mm -hmm. So I got to play with all these unusual toys with them. And, uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, uh, it, it was the highlight of my life. I have to admit, that's the one thing I hardly understand at all, is being a mother, giving birth. I've never even been with a woman giving birth. And then, of course, now I have two grandsons. Yeah. And being a grandparent is very psychedelic. It's <laughs> You do not need to alter your reality to feel as if you have an altered reality. Mm -hmm. The sense of wonderment with grandchildren is consistent and constant and never-ending, more so than having children, because you're not responsible, you're not caught up in the next meal, the next diaper. But it is, uh, in terms of a spiritual experience, there's nothing that comes close. You are in a state of amazement. Well, you know, one thing that I'm sure our viewers will be wondering is, what do you think of Jeffrey's interest in parapsychology? <laughs> and I know that we butted heads on that many, many a time. Your attitude towards life is largely um, logical, rational, uh, and I would say tends towards materialist. I think that's accurate. Um I feel that life is so miraculous. I don't like to take mood-altering drugs myself um, or mood-altering substances because I feel like I live in a state of wonderment, visual, auditory wonderment. So I don't feel like I need an out-of-body experience or thinking past this moment to feel a sense of mysticism. I feel a sense of mysticism all the time by the material world. So I do disagree with Jeffrey on a number of topics, and we've learned not to butt heads on it. But I admire greatly uh, Jeffrey's dedication to it and the fact that he takes a scientific approach to the unknown 
Um, his conclusions are different than mine, but it is consistent with his interest since he was a young boy. So it doesn't seem artificial. It seems like a complete uh, natural evolution of who he is. And it and it's, it goes along with who he is. Jeffrey is the most loving person I've ever met. And I will think about my mother as she grew older. Um, she had some dementia. And I would, as many people do, uh, grow impatient with someone with, who has dementia. They repeat themselves over and over. They'll ask the same question many times. And Jeffrey's patience knew no bounds. He never lost his temper or grew impatient with my mother. Uh, and he's a real example of that. So um, I have nothing but admiration for Jeffrey and the people who listen to him in his growing fan base and his awards. Um, I'm, I'm infinitely proud of him, infinitely proud. And his recent award that he won uh, is just the light of our life. It's a, a culmination of his dedication and steadfastness to his interests. But Jeffrey also has a, a, a keen interest in the hard sciences, too, which we share. So we share so much that those areas that we disagree on uh, are minimal. When you've been talking about me in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to the audience. Yeah, He's still there. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, many of the viewers will have met Andrew. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a, a video with Andrew was done just uh, mm -hmm. about a month ago. He was part of one of our live stream mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. And uh, for anyone who's interested, I can link. You put a hot link. If you have a computer that can pick up the hot link, it'll take you right to the live stream with with our little brother, Andrew. Mm -hmm. He's eight years younger than me, seven years younger than you, roughly. Mm -hmm. What do you think of his career? Oh, I'm so proud of him. I'm just beaming with pride, and I adore Andrew. And Andrew and Jeffrey, in terms of temperament, are polar opposites. Uh, in terms of interest, they're very similar. They're both voraciously curious, um, as my mother was. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, but they look similar. I'd say they have some physical features, but personalities are diametrically opposed. He is extremely bombastic. Um, the opposite, I would say, of calm, uh, and very, very magnanimous and very loving, and I feel I adore him, you know. Um, he's, his accomplishments are, are very impressive. Here's something that comes to mind. Uh, you were a bit of a rebel as a child with regard to religion. Mm -hmm. I, you know, got my bar mitzvah. I had mm -hmm. uh, religious training. And, and to be honest, I would say that uh, growing up in a Jewish household, there are many things that favor a male child, mm -hmm. especially a, a, the firstborn male mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. uh, but I recall at, at a time when I was still really into religion, you were uh, definitely rebelling against it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, um, at an early age. Mm -hmm, very early age. <laughs> and I've been fairly consistent in my philosophical views, I would have to say. But... Um, 
culturally, I'm now married to someone who's Jewish. I feel uh, more imbued with Judaism than ever. But um, I guess I could call myself an atheist slash slash agnostic. Mm -hmm. And that is consistent since being a toddler, I guess. Is that right? That yeah. long? Yes, uh -huh. I definitely. I recall you as a teenager just mm -hmm. saying you were convinced the religions are created by man, not by God. Oh, I still feel that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, although, you know, um, when I do some volunteer work, I do some volunteer work, um, and I'm dealing with some very old people who are housebound and, um, have had quite a lot of advers adversity in their life. And I always congratulate them on their religion and tell them how wonderful it is. And I see the solace it gives them. So I'm less, um, I'm less, I'm much less negative about the place of religion in the world as I see uh, how difficult life is for so many people that, um, it, the comfort it gives people is, is very real and very solid and not a negative thing. Well, you've had tragedy in your life. Mm -hmm. I have, but I do feel like I've had an extremely happy life. Mm -hmm. Very happy. The adversity seems very minor mm -hmm. compared to the glory. Well, if you wanted to, since this is a new experience for you being interviewed mm -hmm. on uh and there's an audience mm -hmm. out, out there. Mm -hmm. um, what would you want to leave uh, with the audience if you had some final thoughts to share? Mm. Wow. Well, one of the issues that I have with parapsychology is I think it's a very legitimate area of investigation, being, op being open to other things. I just don't like to see it slip into that sort of thinking, which is leads to conspiracy thinking. You know, it's, I, sometimes I think it can be a slippery slope, starting to believe things um, which can... That's my, my biggest objection to it. Uh, that's one thing. But I would also say the thing I feel most as I've gotten older is uh, family ties. Just um, the great joy I get from having Jeffrey and Andy in my world. I would say um, that's the greatest joy of life and my children and my grandchildren. And I haven't talked very much about being an artist. So I'm an active artist now. Mm -hmm. Which um, is a great way to get into the flow and have time absolutely disappear. So I feel blessed that I have that. And um, that's from early childhood, from as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. But it's also very competitive. Yeah. Well, you know what I'd like to do? If you let, give me some of your slides of your artwork, we'll show with the video some of your artwork. I know you're, you've gone through different phases mm -hmm. as, as an artist, mm -hmm. uh, from stuff sculptures to, uh, watercolors to, uh, what do you do? You want to talk about what you're currently doing? 
pillows at one time. Yeah, well, I had a business making pillows and worked as an interior designer. Um, so mine are a little bit hard to explain. They're kind of reminiscent of Rorschach books. Rorschach Rock. blocks. Yes. Ink blocks, yeah. And they also but they're have, colorful. Yeah, they also have some sense of a specimen. I think you have to see, but they're very complex. I do them. I paint and draw on paper mm -hmm. um, with acrylics and enamel and oil and pen and ink. And then I collage that along with other things together. Mm -hmm. And then I, and it's mounted on very heavy watercolor paper. And then I paint and draw on that watercolor paper. That's what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. I also have another series with just our abstract oil paints that I'm working on. It's hard to explain art unless you look. Yeah. So we'll show it. We'll yeah. show some of your artwork. Great. I think our viewers would love to see Great. it. Mm -hmm. Great. What is the the significance of art for you? Wow. The significance. Why do human beings create art? It's an extension of dreaming, I think. You know, I think it comes from that same place as dreaming. Like when I dream, I dream, I'll dream extremely detailed worlds that are, are much more detailed and, and fantastical than any out of the body experience or psychedelic experience. And I'm just blown away with them. I might have like really vivid dreams extraordinarily pleasurable, vivid dreams that relate a lot to my artwork. And, um, boy, asking questions about art is like asking questions about music. Um, it's great fun. Mm -hmm. it, um, it's great fun. It's great fun to have something come out of nothing. I would say that. And when you do something, you go like, where did that come from? You know? And, um, you know, I've had my work shown and had had reactions, so um, I, I, it, it comes out of somewhere. I think it's, um, you know, if you're a visual person, you're synthesizing. Your senses are always synthesizing things. And they say amateurs borrow professional steel So <laughs> in, in art. So you're, you know, you're taking things from one another. I remember, and it's I remember one of my earliest memories is drawing our family in kindergarten. We had to draw pictures of our family. Maybe it was even preschool. And I had mine, and I was next to Linda Steffens. And I thought, she's drawn hers better than me. Hers is a little better. And I'll never forget that, you know, comparing your work, how, how skilled she was compared to me. In drawing. In drawing. That was a very early memory of mine comparing myself to others. Why does that memory stick out? Because it's it's a great joy, but you're also, most artists are very critical. You're never pleased enough. Mm. You're always seeing where it could be just a little better, a little better, a little better. So it's a, artwork is never done. It's just abandoned, they say. <laughs> you finally just say enough. Yeah. It never feels complete. And I've heard that about novels, too, yeah. that uh, authors feel like it's never finished. It's just you finally just say, all right, enough, it's abandoned. You can continue to edit and edit and edit. 
Okay. Well, Pamela, this has been a joy. It's been a joy. I'm delighted to be able to share you with the New Thinking Aloud audience. Thank you. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Thank you so much. And thank you for being such a wonderful host. And thank you for being such a wonderful sister. Oh, and thank you for being the perfect brother. (laughs) And thank you for being with us. Thank you.